0: Welcome to King Size, a Stephen King podcast for obsessives by obsessives with Matt Robinson and Simon Balkan. Did it? Yeah, we got to Ooh. the end? Or... Well, I finished it. <laughs> I assume you have too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I have. I, can, I feel... I've had a good workout, actually. My 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 biceps and triceps are definitely, definitely... They, they, they will thank me for these last few months of holding this huge, weighty tome. And pick up it from the bedside table and set it down <laughs> and pick it up and set it down <laughs> <laughs> that for a few months so yeah yeah absolutely look at the guns look at the guns there they're uh, on, on full display <laughs> i mean some people would say just have this on the kindle but i i found the weight of it incredibly comforting actually mm-hmm. um, and you finished. I finished, and constant listeners. If you're listening to this podcast now, I, I assume for most of you as well, you've you've come to the end of the dairy journey, and we are going to use this episode to dive back into part five and really unpick some of the themes and just uh, share our thoughts and insights. But wow, what an experience! I from when we spoke pre Christmas about hey, should we um. Yeah, should we do it? Let's let's do that. Let's do it in, in in five parts over five months. And here we are, a little bruised, a little battered, but we made it. How are you feeling, sir?
1: I feel slightly bereft. Mm.
2: You know, it's funny. I feel I feel the same way that Stephen King describes Eddie at one point, as sort of the a, a mid, midway. Through the through the novel, and he says that Eddie feels mellow and unhappy. <laughs> yeah, which is an interestingly dark mixture. But I feel, you know, having I've got a real sense of triumph because I conquered this meaty, meaty tome, and it is a lot more satisfying reading an actual physical book, especially one this big and heavy. Um, but at the same time i'm like oh i was really enjoying that but you know it's well over um well over 1000 pages long but i think because it's 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 been um broken up into uh, bite-sized chunks it's much easier to to access yeah. um and you're not trying to certainly read it in in one sitting and i'm still impressed by anybody that reads this book like annually because I, yeah, that would, that would take up a huge amount of my reading time. But anyway, um, yeah, I feel very satisfied, but at the same time, slightly poignant.
0: I think that's a very, very fair assessment. And I, I, I relate entirely. It's crazy, isn't it, for a book over a thousand pages to leave you and me, and I'm sure many of the readers out there, wanting more. I didn't want to finish my adventures with the Losers Club. I really, there was that poignancy very much at the end that we'll discuss later on of, you know, that 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 final scene and, and what plays out um, between Bill and Audra. It was so, so beautifully done. But I, I wanted to know more. I was hungry to just go, well, and now what? Now what happens to them? Which is the sign of a great book and great characters mm. that, I felt such a connection to them that I really didn't want to let them go, even after spending five months with them. And I got the feel that I got when I read The Green Mile. Mm And I remember when The Green Mile came out and the initial publication was done in that way that Dickens did it. So it was publicised, you know, once a month, a new edition would come out. So, you know, you'd read part one and then you'd have to wait a month for the next one. And obviously it was such a lovely way to read because you're so immersed in that section And then Mm -hmm. Hungry for the next one. And it felt you really got under the skin of these characters because you are just doing that laser microscope uh, read of it. And wow, there's so much to be mined here in this book, isn't there?
2: Oh, absolutely. And We could talk for the next four hours and do an absolutely epic recording and still have things (laughs) that we hadn't quite... Yeah, as much as we want to
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's um it is late but we have to we've got to start we've got to start somewhere we've got to we try and chunk away at it in in our own imitable style um so yeah that that melancholy that slight sense of sadness where, where for you if you could pinpoint it so where, where does that where's that stemming from similarly to you is. Probably, from something of a sense of
2: of loss, because you 've lost mm-hmm. the company of these characters, mm-hmm. and you want to know where they're where they're all going, but I don't think they know where they're going, and they have to they have to sort of separate apart from two of them, which is wonderful, but they're they're going back into the back into the world as a, of adulthood that they came from. But this time, they're sort of going back into it without so much of a spiritual or emotional hangover. Mm. Because this time, this time it's done. Yeah. So they thought it was done as children, or at least they hoped and expected that. And they certainly did end the cycle. Yeah. Um and And then they they left Derry, and everybody well, everybody but Mike left Derry, and everybody forgot, but all it really took was one phone call and a luncheon, and it all came flooding back, and one one walk around Derry, and it all came flooding back. but this time, they're gone,
1: yeah this when they're
2: really, really gone, I and mean, yeah. I mean, you feel. Exhilarated on one hand because um they've mostly survived. Yeah. Mostly.
1: Yeah.
2: But um, um, by the same token, you just want you just want more of them. And that's that's a, a a wonderful note, isn't it? Just leave them wanting more.
0: I really welcome the fact that he ends with the epilogue that he ends with. Mm. You know, bill Denver beats the devil part two Mm -hmm. because i needed that i needed because there was that huge sense of loss and that huge sense of sadness and i really wanted bill to have a sense of hope and a sense of happiness at the end because we're opened into bill's world right from the beginning of that Book thousand pages earlier, where mm-hmm. we see meet little Georgie and we see what happens there. And as I mentioned on a previous pod, for me, this whole story is about part of it is Bill's search for um redemption, for to quiet the noise in his head, for peace, for love. And all of that comes together in that beautiful epilogue at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I left. When I finished the final page, I felt that bereftness you talk about, but also a sense of peace. Uh, there was nothing that was left untied at the end of this book. There was no, oh, maybe it will come back. Maybe there will be it too, the novel. Or it was that they'd done the job properly, right? Yeah. <laughs> they really had. And those characters deserved to ensure that there was no more. Uh, there's no sequels to this one. Uh, it would almost be disrespectful to them and what they went through. They they did a good job on Pennywise here.
2: I think they understood as
0: adults going back that
2: now it's it's it or us. Yeah, and that's it. There is no no. Bob Gray area, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, very nice. <laughs> Little Wednesday, try the veal. Um, it's, it's it's you or me. That is my line in the sand. One of us is not coming back from this because I'm not going through that hell again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they had the same determination as kids. Absolutely. Yeah, But I think as adults, I have more of that understanding that
1: mm, this yeah.
2: time we cannot
0: just put it to sleep for yeah. the next 27 yeah, yeah, yeah. years. There can be no more cycle. It's interesting you mentioned about our friend Bob Gray, because mm. um, I, I was reading, I'd I, I, forgotten this, but in Dreamcatcher, I don't know if you remember this, but in, in there's a character in Dreamcatcher called Mr Gray. hmm and Mr. Gray tries to put a worm in Derry's water by use of the standpipe. But obviously, it's no longer there because of the 1985 flood. And in its place is a memorial featuring a cast bronze statue of two children and a plaque underneath, dedicated to the victims of the 1985 flood and of it. And the plaque is vandalized with graffiti reading Pennywise Lives. Mm. That's Mr. Gray putting the worm in the water in Dreamcatcher. And I think it's so cool that in that, you know, we've spoken about the multiverse of King, that in that, some of those later books, you just get those shades, those echoes of this book. Um, but yeah, they have, they took on the monster here. Well, I think that that speaks also to the point that you raised
2: last time from when you read Stephen King's tweet. About the mm. about whether or not possibly Pennywise, Randall, Flag, and all of these entities are just the same. Yeah. They're the same thing. They're different expressions of the same thing. Mm. So when the when the children are, are learning about the ritual, this ritual comes from a completely different culture, one that's you know comes from someone on the other side of the world, and yet they have a ritual for dealing with something like this and surely that wouldn't be in place that wouldn't exist unless there were different expressions Mm -hmm. of the same malevolence wouldn't wouldn't they because otherwise otherwise the ritual wouldn't work it's something else but if it's the same sort of thing yeah then this basic blueprint will still work. Yes. Because you're fighting the same thing anyway. Yes.
0: So (laughs) shall we take a little stroll through part five? You spoke last week about how some people in Derry are more susceptible to the malevolence and to Pennywise than others. And I get that very strongly right early on in this section, part five. That, you know, for instance, Beverly's dad, you know, he's more susceptible and he's more charmed and he's a vessel for it. And in this part, we see it use people as vessels, don't we? We see Henry being used as a vessel for it. Uh, We see Tom being used as a vessel. It was that sense of everything reaching ahead here where normal rules of society aren't observed because those lines have been crossed. That chase scene where beverly's dad chases her i found truly terrifying because no one in derry is going to help her you know she runs out runs out into the public space runs out into the street and no one there is going to be prepared to lend a hand you know, And, and Beverly's dad is too unhinged at this. He's not even really aware of people being around if there was anyone to try and stop him. And that's a theme I get throughout this novel all the time about the bystanders that turn the other cheeks, the lack of good Samaritans, but the fact that right now those boundaries, societal boundaries... They no longer exist. It's, it's a lawless state, right? Derry mm. now Derry now is, at this point in the novel, it's just pure, pure anarchy. Well, it's
2: not ruled by the adults, is it? <laughs> no. Um, the authorities are largely powerless. I mean, even when they're mentioned, they're, some of them are goodwilled, but they're not effective. No. In any way. Um, I absolutely agree with what you're saying about the, the, the vessels, and there's one point in this part when Henry attacks Mike in the library and um, uh, obviously Henry's armed, armed with his knife and I think it comes out of his, um, out of his hand, and it's sort of there to be there to be used and Mike, Mike picks it up. And there's a moment we can absolutely stick it in Henry's neck. And he goes, or he thinks, just in a heart, in a flash of a moment, if I do this, then I'm its vessel as well. I'm doing its work in the same way that Henry's doing it. So that makes me know better. And he said, I'll stick it in his leg instead and hope that does, does the job. But he does have that sudden realization in, a, in in a flash that if I do this, I'm doing its work as well, and it's, yeah. it's got me working for it too. Yeah. I'm just another servant of it.
0: Such a um, huge moment, isn't it? Because it is that goodness, that innate goodness that he has that just stops him from doing that. As you say, it's there, it's ripe to kill Henry in that moment, but he mm. doesn't. And, and we need that because we need them to stay. Not, not as saints, the losers club, but We need that line for them to to, to not cross and and become a vessel. Yeah, it's such a powerful moment, isn't it?
2: Mm. And then when Eddie ends up killing uh, Henry, then there's something, there's almost something regrettable
0: Yeah.
2: about him. He almost wishes that he didn't have to do it.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's Eddie who is, you know, Throughout the book, physically that weakest, you know, he's he, everything physically and mentally. The one who's almost, I think that the the got the thinnest skin, apart from Stan, you know. But the fact it's Eddie that kills Henry. But yeah, there's no triumph, or it's almost like he doesn't mean to do it. He'd rather just, you know, if this was a cartoon, he'd knock him out, and then, mm-hmm. but I, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen. And Henry's death really surprised me because I'd forgotten about how how sudden it it is. Really, you know, I forgot that he dies at Eddie's hand. You know, whilst Mm -hmm. trying to kill Eddie. Um,
2: Yeah, uh, Henry's Henry's on a I'd I'd say more than war path. He's on the death path. Yeah, he just wants to kill all of them and anything that stands in his way. So Eddie doesn't really have a choice. It's it's exactly the same thing that they have with um with it. It's do or die. It's it's yeah us or, it's us or it. it it's kind of yeah. that simple. Yeah. Um but I think Eddie's Eddie's power really did come to the forefront for me in this in this part and I hadn't really properly recognized it up to that point. So there's there's a wonderful moment. Um, when uh, they're in the they're in the tunnels, and um, they've got this huge eye coming towards them. That's like on a little little tentacles or something. This repulsive huge eye that's coming towards them, and they're all, they're all a bit arrested. And the person that really sort of leads leads the charge is Eddie, and it's it's a really great comic moment in there for me as well. Fight it! Eddie raved at the others. It's just a, an eye. Fight it! You hear me? Fight it, Bill! Kick that out of it, sucker! Jesus, you, you pussies! I'm doing the mashed potatoes all over it, and i got a broken arm! <laughs> I, just, I can see that moment. I can see Eddie <laughs> at it with his, with his one arm, going, just do something! <laughs> <Yeah>. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah eddie really does mm. um find his metal
1: mm.
2: Mm. perhaps you know um perhaps in retrospect looking back we really do need that chapter in part four where he no, gets yeah. thrown through the mill because if he doesn't get you know put through it like that then yeah. he doesn't find his metal
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and he's, you know, he's the one that Henry, you know, Henry dies with him. And and we know what, you know, as we'll we'll discuss in a bit, you know, the rest of Eddie's journey. Absolutely. Maybe he needs to go through that. I, I feel so sorry. I do feel and I'm amazed that King can make me feel it, just this sadness as well for Henry, you know, mm. because between, you know, the I guess as he's his vessel, between these father figures of his dad and Pennywise. I mean Henry doesn't stand a chance. No. You know. Um he doesn't even need to go
2: looking for the knife. Yeah. It exactly. to, it? It's just delivered to the house with a nice little balloon yes. attached to the mailbox that says courtesy of Mr. Bob Gray, you know, like enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But you you do you do get a sense of Henry's. Humanity, I think. And I think it's testament to decent writing is that the author recognises that these these characters are humans yeah. for the most part. At least some of the characters that he's writing about are humans. And therefore, if they're humans, then they're going to be multifaceted. And there's going yeah. to be a reason why they are mm. who they are. Mm. And I would expect as as an author similarly to how you are as an actor you have to have a lively curiosity about the humanity of the people you're playing even if even if their decency and their goodness seems a very very long way down in there and very very small it's still there and you have to recognize it for what it is and you also have to think well why did this person become like this how did they get this yeah yeah um and there's yeah there's a very definite reference to henry being under the influence of butch bowers yeah in in this part it's not a very long moment but there's a bit one sort of well he was you know he butch bowers his son and he's also been seduced by this this entity so yeah he never really did have a chance chance sorry even when even when um mike is sort of saying to him you know mike is saying to henry don't do this you know don't uh, put the knife down let's let's end it all i'll call juniper hill they can take you away you'll be you'll be you'll be safe you won't be in Derry. and henry says, no i won't be safe it doesn't matter where i go because no matter where i am the moon will rise at some point and he'll be in the moon there's no getting
0: away from this yeah. this creature yeah this king talks about the hollow places says about it fills in the hollow places and and henry is he's 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 almost like, what's that? What's that cheese sign? Has all the hollow, hollow little bits in. Yeah, there's that particular type of cheese? Is it? not Swiss cheese? I don't know if it's Swiss, it's a cheese. different one. Yeah, it might. He said, it's a cheese ah. with holes in, but it's a strange image. But it's that sense of Henry is—he's got all these like holes in him, all these little hollow places where it's uh. just filled up with this toxicity. And at one stage, King talks about <clears throat> Henry's clownish smile. Mm-hmm. And that's no, you know, of course, that's no accident that that's the uh adjective he used to uses to describe that smile. <laughs> this is the moment where um I, I did laugh, I shouldn't, but you know, where the one moment where that old lady tries to be a good Samaritan and she breaks the tradition mm-hmm. of everyone in their car driving away or not slowing down or stopping. And she absolutely tries to, you know stop him when he's he's you know kind of beating them up as kids and i mean he he, you know starts to attack the car and starts to you know try and get to attack her because it's all it's all completely gone now Mm, mm. um and king talks about him going above the sight line there's Mm. this sight line and he's gone above it now he's way there is no boundary there you know that madness has descended um so everything is it is it is just free for all it was kind of like that as lord of the flies you know mm. by our friend william uh, goldman uh as that progresses where all the sense of you know the structures that hold a society together only have meaning if we adhere to it right mm. they only they're all these things that are put into place a framework to make us go oh well this is the meaning and the logic but it only works if you put your faith in it or you put your belief in the system and what it represents and we spoke about how power comes from where people you know put it or where they attribute it to and here running alongside the terror of pennywise you have a a town that is just absolutely lawless and the power lies in the hands of those that are bewitched by the moon and bewitched by Pennywise, um, which I found really, really terrifying, A- and equally also really sad, because it's where mm. it's where that complete lack of nurture means that this now is their nature.
2: You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good point. Oh, um, oh. I think mean, you're absolutely right about Derry itself being full of these these holes. I mean, how on earth are you going to ever fight? this entity, if you can't even acknowledge it exists, right. nobody will talk about it. Nobody talks about the clown at Adrian Mellon's trial. Nobody wants to talk about this.
1: Yeah.
2: So how on earth are you going to go about fighting it effectively if you can't go beyond your understanding of what reality is yeah. and what might else be out there? Mm. Even if it, if it doesn't, as you said, fit the narrative. Mm. But no one wants to call to it. No. Easier, it's easier to
0: look the other way. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it, it, it's almost as if they're being piped through, if it was modern day, a new, certain news channels that go, this is the story, this is what's actually awesome. happening. And if that's what you believe, because that is the images you're seeing, the narrative, the story, then you go, okay, well, this is what I'm being told. We see nowadays so much with, be it fake news, be it news that is piped through in Russia, be it news that is piped through in other places within the world. If you're only told one side of a story, then you're thinking, well, if you're just an everyday normal person you might then end up believing something that other people that have access to the full 360 go well that's completely wrong but it doesn't make them an, ab- an abhorrent person they haven't been told the full truth mm. so I think that's what I find fascinating about Derry there's people there that I go well they're not intrinsically all evil people it can't be but a lot of them just you know this story hasn't risen to the surface because no one will talk about it mm. Mm. so It's like a horrible complicity that just happens because a lot of people just don't know about it. Yeah, they just don't talk
2: about that thing. They just don't
0: talk about it. And if they sense something, then maybe they've tried to change it and then look what happens. Mm. So they go, actually, I'll, I'll I'll just pull back a bit.
2: They also have the luxury of not having to do anything about it, really, for 27 odd years at a time. So if you can if you can ignore it for I don't know say 11 10 11 months yeah it will go get, go away again for another nearly 3 decades yeah so if you can you know it's it's like it's like a perverse interpretation of short term pain for long term gain yeah <laughs> yeah But some of the horror literal horror and some of it is so Every day. I mean, that's one of the things I, I would say about this book is that despite the fact that it's about a um, malevolent entity from outer space that often takes the, the, um, the form of a clown or other um, sort of cinematic horror characters, some of the saddest and, and most hard-hitting horror comes from some of the everyday stuff things like people turning away, things like domestic abuse, things like child abuse, that really, really hits home as hard, if not harder, than the um, interplanetary creature that drives this book. So there's something very, very human and very real about it as well. It's not all about um it. No. <laughs> I mean the, the entity it. It depends what it is.
0: Yes. Which is why I i feel he chose that word Mm because you know it is as we know what what is it right you know what is it it might be okay pennywise taking on the form of the fear that someone has it might be him taking on that physical form of the spider or an eye but actually we know it's the deadlights it's this kind of uh, you know substance that exists Mm. that will send you mad if you look into it but again, as you so rightly said, it is you know it is just as much you know the domestic abusers in that in these houses, the child killers, the molesters, the you know the 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 the, the complicit bullies, the mm. the homophobes. That 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 is as much it as Pennywise is a manifestation of it.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Which absolutely, for me, is why this book isn't. Yeah, of course, it's a, it's a beautiful motif, The Clown, and it's so, so powerful, the imagery of Pennywise, but it's so much more than that. It contains, for me, some of his greatest horror writing. Mm. I really do. I think the actual just the horror writing in it is brilliant. But, as, but this, it's so much more than that. <laughs> you know, um, if you were to take that away... If you were to take Pennywise out of the equation and you were dealing with a small town in America that is just, you know, rife with all these flaws and uh, uh, and this disintegration and this toxicity and looked at it as a character study piece, mm-hmm. and you just delivered that draft and took the name Stephen King off it, I'm sure a lot of those critics and people that were very snobby about him would go, this is a masterpiece. Look at this, fantastic. Look at this portrayal of Americana disintegrating. This is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because that, that's what's at the heart of it. And it's such a
2: it's such a sadly recurring theme that Stephen King abuses yeah. and, and, and touches on. There's that really all that is required for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing. It's not the evil in and of itself so much; it's just everybody, as you say, sort of being complicit and not by not saying anything. Mm. Um, Yes, but it does. It does also indicate how difficult that is to do, Mm. and I think it's crucial that the characters who do do it are the ones who aren't thinking about the same things that adults think about they're just thinking about it from a kid's point of view which is this is wrong and this is this is i'm scared and i've got my friends with me perhaps we can do something about it but we should do something about it Mm. because this bloody thing's killing kids and now it's down to the children Mm. to do something and it shouldn't be but that that is that that point is is mentioned much later in the book, and it's like talking about um, Henry's bombs, these M80s. It's not meant for kids. Yeah. This isn't for
1: you. You shouldn't be doing
0: this.
2: Yeah. The adults should be taking care of this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Adults should be supervising the fireworks here and not having the M80s thrown at each other. Yeah, I'm going to plant a couple of these in his shoes, hold him down, I'll put this in. This will really, this will make him sing. Yeah, and in that first section, uh, in the Watches of the Night, which I think is such a great title for that section, you know, that the past repeating itself in the present and that whole idea of bringing in people who should be there to help. So when Eddie gets his arm broken again in, in the, the fight in which Henry dies. And one of them says, oh, we've got to call a doctor for Eddie. Uh, and they're like, no, but he's hurt. Yeah, but once we go outside, once we involve the town, then Eddie finishes the sentence, yeah, they'll arrest me for murder. Remember, this is Derry. And it's immediate flashback to Bev when she remembers Mr. Ross one of the neighbours Mr Ross getting up and looking and then simply folding his newspaper and going back into the house
1: Mm.
0: once we go outside once we involve the town that made her remember Bill as a kid his face white and tired and half crazy Bill saying Derry is it do you understand me any place we go when it gets us they won't see, they won't hear, they won't know. Don't you see how it is? All we can do is to try and finish what we started.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mike's
0: not safe in hospital. No. Oh, yeah, That's uh, that That's I, I mean, echoes there of Salem's Lot for me. Mm. When we see our gang split up and we know, again, characters being used as vessels by Straker there mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, pick off the vulnerable when they're in, again, a hospital where they should be safe, surrounded by doctors, nurses, medicine, there to make them better. But actually, yeah, where they are very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And Mike is really vulnerable. That that was a great little um, thriller section, wasn't it?
2: Mm, with the uh, Cheryl and Monica's brother, that's right. Who's elderly, yeah, um, yes, who's been taken over, yeah, and is not quite in his right mind, but yeah. for whatever reason tries to uh, kill Mike.
0: Yeah, again, a theme side that King uses throughout all of his writing. You know, recently as you know the Mr. Mercedes trilogy, Mm. you know, Big Al, you know, it's so, oh, so beautifully, beautifully portrayed in that incredible mini series Mm. that I can't wait to uh, do with you uh, on the podcast. You know, a Big Al, beautiful, gentle giant used as a complete vessel. Yes. Vessel by Brady to do unspeakable things. But you can't hate him because it's you know, yes, there's susceptibility, maybe because of him, but he does like a good vessel, king, doesn't he? So, yes, yeah, which means I guess that no one is really safe because the people you might think are your allies can get infiltrated mm.
2: yeah, if they get some if they've got some Achilles heel, uh,
0: yeah, right,
2: then
1: there's something to be. Something to be preyed upon. Something to be exploited there.
0: Um, And isn't it in here how, even though Mike is separate from the rest of the losers, you know, mm. for this whole section, you know, where he's in hospital modern day, they, it's their power of uniting together that sends the thought to him and gives him strength? Yeah, he sort of
2: draws upon his sense of that doesn't it that's right yeah yeah well remember i'd forgotten that yes he does sort of remember that he's part of this this group yeah and that's what allows him to find the the the, enough strength that he needs to get himself out of trouble that's right
0: yeah because there's almost this telekinesis they know they well this sense of yeah, intuition. You know, they know that he's in trouble in that moment; that he's not safe, and they almost pull all their forces together to send him that message to be able to, you know, so he is safe. Mm. Um, again, that losers' club is so tight that even though they're not physically all together in the same space, that connection they have can transcend, mm. and it it lasts. For as long as it needs
1: to. That's it, that's its thing. Yes. Somehow,
2: it doesn't really need to be any. Once it's once it's sort of served its purpose, it then begins to mm-hmm. evaporate, even as, even as children. So once they they've they've come out of the tunnels as children in the 50s, there's this wonderful moment that Stephen King writes about, or I think it's Bill, thinks, you know. The seven of us were never together again, all together mm-hmm. again. Four of us met up fairly frequently, five, occasionally six, once in a blue moon, mm-hmm. but never all seven. Mm-hmm. And the seven, the seven of them are never together again.
0: That's right.
2: It's even when they come back to Derry in the 80s, of course, Stan can't doesn't come back yeah. so it's still only six of them yeah so once they've emerged from the um
1: from the sewers as kids in the 50s they are
2: they're never together again
1: yeah
2: i mean they're you know sort of difference from sort combinations of combination mm. them different mm. numbers ever all seven
0: yeah and I think that taps into that melancholy you spoke about, you know, you said you finished this book and there's a sense of sadness there. Mm. I found that really sad because I really wanted after everything they'd be through, I wanted them all to live in a big house together. <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, listen, that's it. We are together. Look at the power of us and, and, you know, kind of we'll, we'll help each other heal. We'll be together. That will be it. But, of course, as you say, it only lasts as long as it needs to. And in the 80s, when, when they finally finish what they need to finish and they start forgetting, and these threads that were so strong, and as you said, it took one phone call to, 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 to make it mm. happen again and to reunite those, those threads. It's almost like they start to turn to those spider webs, like those gossamer webs, and just start to drift away and the forgetting, and they can't quite remember. I f- I found that passage so so beautifully moving. Mm. Where they're just forgetting little things. What was it? What was it that Eddie had? Was it asthma? Yeah. Can't quite, do you remember they just What was his thing? thing? Was it that? Or was it Clubfoot? Well, there was something I know. And it's like they just drift in a way drifting apart from each other um and i thought that was a beautifully written device and they're forgetting but bill is forgetting but at the very same time he needs the woman he loves to remember (laughs) whilst he's forgetting and the rest of them are he needs her to remember yes you've got this whole friction going on there Mm. But I think let's let's save that for a minute because I really want to talk more about the end of the book when we, we get to the end because okay. I think it's so, so beautiful that. But, yeah, I think that heightened the sadness for me. They didn't all run off in the sunset together, you know, after this book. They have to, by the nature of it, I think, to survive. Now they'll just head their ways and perhaps in a couple of days, a couple of weeks, definitely a couple of years, I get the sense if Mike Mike called them again.
1: Mm.
0: Who? Who had he? What? Who? They, no. Because it's done now. I don't think Mike would be... Because
2: Mike's forgetting now as well. Mm. That's the crucial well, thing. Yeah. I think mean, that's one of the um, most... It, it's one of the clearest signs that this time they really have defeated it. Good point. Because this time whilst mike is probably staying he's starting to forget too now yeah, yeah and it's disappearing from from him and he was really the cornerstone
0: of it in that yes, respect now yes. he's forgetting, so that's right he did the lighthouse doesn't need a lighthouse keeper anymore right yes thank goodness so the, the part definitely contains for me some
2: bits of wonderful detailed writing the, the, the kind of thing that that Make everybody think that Stephen King is just a horror writer, and that's it. But every now and again, <laughs> probably a bit more than that, but there has to be some detail in there that lends him to that genre. And uh, Henry has escaped from D- Derry Library, having attempted to kill Mike, um, and he's leaving, leaving the library, and um, a ride is presented. To him, I think the chapter's even called Henry Bowles gets a riot. Was accepted, right? Henry gets a lift. Henry gets a lift. So he he, um, he sort of half sees the driver and sort of hears it say something. The voice uttered one thin bone-like chuckle and fell silent. I love that bit. <laughs> Lovely. He reached the intersection of the seminary path and the sidewalk and peered at the car, trying to make sense out of the hulk behind the wheel. But it was the car he recognised first. It was the one his father always swore he would own someday, a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Mm. It was red and white, and Henry knew, hadn't his father told him often enough, that the engine rumbling under the hood was a V-eight three-two-seven. Available horsepower of 255, able to hit 75 from the get-go in just about nine seconds, gobbling high tests through its four-barrel carb. I'm going to get that carb when I die, and they can bury me in it, <laughs> i fond of saying. Except, of course, he had never gotten the car, and the state had buried him after Henry had been taken away, raving and screaming of monsters to the funny farm. And then the passenger door opens, and you see that it's, um, it see that it's Belch. His face was a hanging ruin. One of his eyes was gone, and a rotted hole in one parchment cheek revealed blackened teeth. Perched on Belch's head was the New York Yankees baseball cap he had been wearing the day he died. It was turned around backward. Grey green mold oozed along the bill. <laughs> A really nasty, grotesque, horrible jail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you very much. I like a good uh, creepy moment every now and <laughs> again. <laughs> Apart from the one at the beginning of this part where Stephen King talks about um, Beverly's dad crawling out from under the bed like a monster. Stephen, we've covered this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Move on, please. Thank We've you. We've been there. We've been there. He knew yes. he, he wrote it before. <laughs> oh, well, before. <laughs> there are some great horror bits. And and the fact that we get into its head, into Pennywise's mm. head, I love that passage where, you know, it's similar to when we go into Cujo's head, we get his POV. Um, mm. And this bit of Pennywise is talking, well, it's talking about, you know, it only wanted to eat and sleep and dream and eat again which again backs up that uh, proposal we had the other episode about well look you know on some levels is Pennywise evil on some levels are any of these monsters evil as we've discussed the monsters that are, c- are come in the mist you know are they evil or are they just doing what they do mm. is, he a vampire? is he evil is he just doing he just wants to eat and sleep and dream and eat again don't we all just want to do that you know so again for me the evil lurks more within those uh those individuals populating dairy that make a choice to do domestic abuse mm. or be homophobic and have homophobic attacks that, that that's a that's a choice there that's a mm. choice to take that path here there's a slight element when you get into pennywise's pov okay he's just doing what as a entity as a creature as a being an essence is within his nature to do
2: yeah fish gotta swim
0: bird gotta fly you know it's
2: (laughs) yeah see i think stephen King would absolutely back you up yeah he said i'm sure i heard him say in interviews when he's asked about whether or not you know these creatures are are all evil he's like well got to eat right (laughs) everything's got to eat yeah really all it's doing this is yeah. bottom line that's the one thing you can't you can't dispute you can have oh. arguments about the morality of how it eats or what it eats and when it eats and etc yeah. but the one thing you can't argue about is the fact that it needs sustenance to survive
1: mm.
2: yeah can't argue everything else is is, yep. is up for debate yep. that is not because it has to eat yes yeah exactly just like, just like virtually every other living thing in some respect or another it needs some sort of sustenance yeah. to exist
1: yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and it's perfect and it's got the perfect place in Derry, with its I love king writes about dairy having a dark and ruined heart and it had created a place in its own image almost like godlike you know and on the on the seventh day, you know, Pennywise Ooh. created Derry. You know, here we go. I'll bake it in my own image, which would explain why. Again, hmm. it's almost similar to Henry Bowers. Derry doesn't stand a chance.
2: No. <laughs> well, Derry didn't exist when this thing arrived. It, right, yeah. So, yes, it's always it's always been there since... Time immemorial, really. Um, so it, as you say, it could just if not necessarily create that the town, then certainly sort of help shape the town,
0: yeah,
2: in its own image.
1: Yeah.
2: And have a huge influence on on everything. Because it's in its very foundations. You know, this this mm. whole area was marshland to begin with. And if it's seeped in all of that, in like the the mm. the, the water and the groundwater and just the, the the roots in the earth, yeah, yeah, then yeah, everything yeah. you build is going to be um, put on a rotten foundation. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It might seem solid, but it's infected. The outcry of, oh dear Jesus, it's female. Mm. I've got that highlighted and in, in capitals in my notes because that really gave me a chill. Just at moment. oh my God oh, Christ, this is female, and mm. it's reproducing. And look, every single one of those eggs, every single one of those contains a physical form that could be it. Oh, my God. For me, then, the stakes just were raised even <clears throat> higher. The fact that it is female. Mm. What, a mo- what a moment. Yeah, it's a big revelation, isn't it?
2: I completely... I,
0: I, do you remember that?
2: No. No, I I hadn't remembered that.
0: Yeah.
2: I hadn't remembered its gender and I hadn't remembered um, the eggs either.
0: Yeah, brilliantly just nasty passage of, you know, Ben having to crush all the eggs and just the sense of this stickiness and the, and the, oh, oh God. Right, Ben, listen, we're just going to go over here. Mate, can you just, there's loads of spiders, loads of eggs. Can you just do your bit? But even then, Ben has a moment of, oh but oh this is a bit wrong yeah even that he has that little moment that mike has with henry of still mm. these are good good people but they know they have to do these things in order to but yeah it's female it's pregnant it's so it's reproducing it's reproducing and it can't be allowed to
2: do that because right. uh look at the the effort that's required to kill just one of them yeah and if it if it reproduces, then it's going to more than likely, I expect, spread f- far further afield than dairy. Yeah, the world will become it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There won't really be any. Uh, uh, there won't really be any stopping it. There aren't enough yeah. um, children with, I don't think, with enough nerves of steel to be able to keep doing this. Yeah. You're lucky you got these, this, this seven.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, although not from its point of view, which is explored in that in that wonderful section where it is thinking to itself, this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah. sitting, oh, I've been here for a very long time. Everything's looking <laughs> <a uncidory."> <laughs> already. Yeah. I should have been able to kill those kids really easily. What's the problem? That's yeah. a bit that's a bit worrying. Okay, i will just Mm, bear that in mind we'll try and move on but even so i've still got a little feeling of yeah this shouldn't this shouldn't be happening
0: and i remember feeling quite torn when i first when we first kind of go into its mind thinking oh i don't know would it have been more scary or more powerful if we didn't have that But then as we went on, for me, I was like, no, actually, I'm really glad, actually, those revelations of it being annoyed, (laughs) it Mm -hmm. being scared. A lot of these human emotions or emotions that we can understand and comprehend, Mm realising that this creature is going through that as well, I thought gave it a nice lightness where it was needed Mm-hmm. And also to give the voice and to be able to go inside the head and the mind and and of, of it actually made it more rounded as a narrative. In the same way, to a much greater degree, obviously, why for me Cujo breaks your heart because you go into the into Cujo's mind. Mm. You know, if it's just all written from third party point of view or outside point of view, then it's harder to empathise with, it's harder to feel the connection because it's just at a distance. So I actually really like the fact that they went into, that King goes into Pennywise's thoughts. What about you? Did that work for you? Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm glad we got that.
2: Um, It does, because it produces something of a sense of conflict because you get something of a sense of sympathy. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yes. And I think one of the things that that it also expresses is something akin to loneliness mm. because the, one of the things the children sort of represent to to it is this thought that well maybe there's something else out there that's like me yeah. and this is a this is a, a manifestation of that yeah right so maybe I'm not as alone in the universe as I thought I was
0: that's that's a great point because there- I read that there's almost a yearning there, rather mm-hmm. than maybe being threatened. Or hang on, there was a oh yeah, maybe I'm not alone. Yeah, there's yeah, that, it's a great there's spot. a spot,
2: and there's a it. A great spot recurs. There's um, uh, spoiler te- spoiler territory for the outsider here. This what I'm about to speak to comes up in the last episode of the outsider. So if you haven't watched it, please skip forward about 20, 30 odd seconds. In the last episode, there's, um, there's a moment where Paddy Considine is um, talking to um, Ralph and Holly, and, he, and it, he, he says to them, am I the only one then? Have you, have you encountered others like me? It's, this, it's that same sort of ponderance on loneliness. Yeah. As far as this creature knows, it's the only one of its kind. And the thought that that it might not be mm-hmm. either gives it a sense of longing um, or a sense of fear, depending on its yeah. its its response. But the same theme comes up: these 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 entities are suddenly presented with the idea that they're not alone, or they might not
0: be, and it just stops it from yeah, just being your standard two D. Monster.
2: Yeah, the deeper the deeper it is, the more the more human it seems, the more the better you're going to be able to yeah. empathize with it and associate with it. Yeah. And feel for it. And you need to get some conflict, some sort of conflict mm-hmm. in there. Because even mm-hmm. towards the end of end of this part, you start to get a sense of it's fear that it's not invulnerable. Yeah. Um and that it's it that's like any other. Parent, its offspring are in danger, and it feels something about that. So regardless of the um the legitimacy or the morality of it, its point of view is that its offspring are in are in mortal danger. Yeah. And it's going to have a feeling about that. Or at least this this entity does. Perhaps a different creation wouldn't be. Um but the fact that it does then
0: makes it a bit more human well king said didn't he that he wanted it to be like the apotheosis the, of all monsters you know that this mm. creation that he was going to write about was just this amalgamation of everything and and with that it has to be so multifaceted and it has that you know the fact that it feels feels fear feels mm. annoyance feels yeah m- maternal instinct Not for some time, because it's been used to having its own way for centuries. Yeah, really. These kids awaken um, that, doesn't it? Make in some ways these the Losers Club. These kids make Pennywise make it feel in a way it has not felt for centuries, for millennia. mm. As you say, it's all just been a one-sided dialogue up until then. Uh, well, you know, a monologue is just, I come, I do this, there's no opposition. Then suddenly, oh, hang on a minute. Think about, what was that? Yeah.
1: Okay. That should have, been, should have
2: been easier than it was. Yeah. But some. this is a bit of an abstract question, but just so I know I've asked it, if um, it hibernates for 27 years mm-hmm. and then... Um, feeds for I don't know say 10 11 months at the end of that 10 11 months it um, it does battle with uh, with with the children and then it has to go into hibernation and it hibernates for another 27 years so when it comes back out and starts in, in in the 80s as far as Pennywise is concerned isn't that the next day after it's woken up or how conscious is it for those 27 years? I might be looking at this a bit too deeply. But, but isn't yeah. that like the next dessert? That's, like, that's a hell of a week, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, after yeah. you've had 11 months, but then you go to bed thinking, oh, that was a really really, really horrible day. Tomorrow's
0: better. And then you wake up and it's worse. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a power nap, isn't it? <laughs> just Yeah, look, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to have a little kip. I'll, I'll be back i back in 27 years. But it See, will it, feel like the next day, but you know. Then <laughs> you wake up expecting it to be
2: everything to be right as rain. Yeah. It's worse. Yeah. You've got you've got this damn librarian making phone calls, calling everybody back to the party again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Just leave it alone, man. <laughs> I just want my breakfast. But, yeah, time, time just shifts. and As you say there, you know, 27 years, but it feels like it's the next day. Here, the past and the present are completely unified. Mm. And I read this and I'm like, okay, so, of course, all the echoes of the past, Henry breaking Eddie's arm again, Uh, Bill leading his friends into the dark where the boat he'd made for his brother had gone almost a year before. Uh, everything the echoes of the past and the present now becoming one and i read all of these parts in this brilliant final section at times going oh hang on is this 80s is this you know present day if you like or is this when they were kids and i kept having sometimes to thumb back to the little indentation oh no okay no we're in we're in maine in this period and now we're in maine in this period mm. i I love that narrative technique that he did about bringing the two worlds, the two times together so Mm. seamlessly. I think it made for a really fluid end. And I know we're going to talk about the films and the, you know, the adaptations in much more depth in future pods, but I think it's a real powerful plus point with the novel in the way that Mm -hmm. it merges both how how did you how did you find that that whole narrative technique for you oh i agree i found it very it's really exciting
2: um but similarly to you i had to every now and again i had to go back (laughs) to the chapter and go where when are we Okay, (laughs) okay right because because really in in quite a few respects the characters are thrown back to exactly who they were back when they were children, yeah. To a large, to a large extent, not yeah. to completely, but you go, uh, so are they. Are they adults at this point? Okay, they are. Okay, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Okay, they are. If you if you say they are in 1983, then fine. They're only not in, in the 80s. No problem. Yeah. But if I'd have gone back to the beginning of the chapter and it, it had said it was still the 50s, God, yeah, fine. I will buy that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even you know, down to Bill's speech patterns, you know, is something that really struck me. Obviously, his stutter is back in full effect. Mm. You know, Richie, the way Richie talks, the voices Rich is using. Eddie again with the aspirator that he's, you know, kind of, you know, not had for a while, they, they become the, the children again. Mm. So, yeah, without those markers of King just showing us its present day or past day, because the the location is the same, the foe is the same. The stakes are the same, in fact, I would say obviously even higher now mm. because they know that they've got to finish what they didn't finish before, but this time they're not all together, you know um, but it's just a beautiful merging of of the yeah of the when, when are we mm-hmm. I don't know where we are, but when and I love the we fact you use that word exciting, that. yeah, you use the word exciting, and it was it felt really exciting, you know, for a book that is this size. Mm. and there were naturally within those thousand pages some passages throughout that you know slow down on purpose take the pace off Mm. when he needs to just go you know pedal to the metal let's go for it he does it and in this section it's it is it's exciting it's such a rush and i i often have this
2: sense about the ending of king books is that you've you understand hopefully you understand the story up to this point and then you see how much you've got until the end and you that, go how on earth is he gonna get this all wrapped up in what he's got left and it, it's not just it's not pace for its own sake it doesn't seem rushed is what i mean yeah i but i'm always always surprised mm. by knowing he's got x number of Pages left how on earth are you going to get this story to a satisfying end with how little you've got But he always manages it
1: <laughs> he knows
0: what he's doing doesn't he, it's, he knows uh, what he's doing. yeah and on that point it's so true because yeah he's so clear about well what he chooses to project to us or interviewers or the outside world is that he doesn't outline yeah you know that he sits and the spark we've spoken at great depth in the podcast episodes about how those sparks of ideas come from everyday life occurrences or from dreams or but once he starts to write he often writes in a white heat and obviously Mm -hmm. a few years to write this book of course by the nature of its size but He very clearly says he doesn't outline. He doesn't go, now, it's going to end at this point, and this is because he likes the characters to surprise him.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Viewed through that lens, that point you make about how he brings it all together so beautifully in so many of his novels without rushing or sacrificing or, you know, throwing away subtlety. Wow. Hats off to you, Mr King. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get to, it's
2: it's about the skill of being able to distill a lot into a little. Yeah. Um. Which is, which is genius, really, because as I say, genius simplifies.
1: Mm.
2: You take you. It, you know, you're not sacrificing anything. You're not throwing anything out. You're still including it, but you find a way to include it in such a way that doesn't require. Um, five pages when a paragraph or a sentence or two will do yeah you get it okay we can i can just move on now you yeah managed to say everything in that mm-hmm. don't need five pages mm-hmm. i'm going to move on to the to the next thing mm-hmm. that's i think a real i think it's probably writer's genius
0: yeah i agree i agree and i think he's got those frameworks hasn't he of you know the time the various time you know in 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 the 50s in the 80s the interludes he's got these frameworks that actually when i look through narratively there's very little flab on it everything serves everything serves a purpose you know those interludes that initially i struggled with a little bit more because i'm like oh i just want to get back to the losers Mm -hmm. i want to get back to where we are now actually with that being at the end of the journey now and having finished the book i go i need those you need those as the reader to get this full breadth of pennywise's history mm. and, you know to to really really fill in all of those gaps um, and to fill in the history of Derry, and also they tell mike's story you know i, I love the fact i felt closer to mike as a result of all the interludes because they're his work that he's curated for us mm. but within this book there's really tight structures but I would, yeah. I bet these characters surprised him as much as because the big surprise for me, obviously, early on in the book. Of course, we know Stan chooses to, you know, he's not coming with us on this journey. But I totally, totally forgot that Eddie died. Uh, Ah,
1: no, that I did
0: remember. Did you remember? Yes, I, I totally forgot. And the the factual way. That King writes about it. It happens very, very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because I'd seen him recover with, you know, when when Henry comes after him, and I ha- had a little echo of, oh my god, is, is, is oh yeah, does Henry die? Is he going to die? But then he doesn't. Of course, his arm's broken, and he's in a real state. That Henry's the one who's left on the floor. Mm. And then the factual way about it, the way, but the bravery, that steel that Eddie has, as you said, that you really felt has come to the fore now of him shoving his hand right in, into it, spraying, spraying the inhaler. And the cost of that is then very quickly, arm gets bitten off and, and he dies very, very, very quickly. Mm. Um, well, I had forgotten... There's one death I'd forgotten about.
2: It's, it's Tom Rogan. I, I uh, yeah. Forgot. He gets such short shrift. Yes. Um, I mean, he's, that's very almost, that's very thrown away. Yeah. Almost sort of incidental. I so said once Tom sort of served his purpose, which was to kidnap Audra. Yeah. And take her down into the sewers. Um, we're told that he took one look at it and just died of pure terror. But that's it. Over. Done. Yeah. Gone. Don't need Tom Rogan anymore. Yeah. I wish he'd had a bit more of an excruciating
0: death. <laughs> but the bottom line is he's dead. So but I guess I guess dying of unspeakable terror and horror at seeing something that is unspeakably horrific. I imagine these last moments were not particularly pleasant. And if his life flashed before his eyes in that moment. You know, it would be filled with the horrors of what he did to you know Bev and those around him. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I thought we'd see a bit more. In fact, with the I guess looking back on it, I'm like, well, they are just vessels. Like I was surprised in this passage how almost quickly Henry's death is. I thought Henry Mm -hmm. would be there up till the end. Same with Tom, um, and and Eddie. I mean, but I guess that's the thing. We get to the business end, don't we? And there's a ruthlessness. Yes, there's there's a a certain
2: ruthlessness. And I say,
0: uh, it doesn't feel rushed,
2: but by the same token, things do sort of pick up a pace. Yeah. Um, The only only sort of consolation I get from Tom's sudden demise is he gets a really nasty nightmare where he's scared right out of bed. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I like that. It's great. Even at that moment of Eddie's death, we have a flashback, don't we, to the young Eddie um, just mm. afterwards, which is really bittersweet. And, yeah, King killing his darlings. They couldn't all make it. Oh, and... No. And, then they, <laughs> and they will very soon, as we know, forget each other anyway. Mm. You
1: know? Um, With one notable exception. I mean,
2: with... Um Ben and bev yes, yeah, I mean they can't forget each other, they can't forget each other
0: did They're your two. heart did your heart do a little skip and dance at that moment when we
2: yeah of course, <laughs> I mean also at the moment when um I'm pretty sure it's it's mentioned again in this in this section that um beverly um Admit to Ben that she knows he wrote the, the the haiku, yeah, 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 that's a lovely I think it's a lovely moment before they just i think it's before they're going into the sewers, Ben stopped laughing all at once and regarded her gravely, cautiously. he took a dirty handkerchief from his pocket and wiped his face with it slowly. poem the haiku, the haiku on the postcard you sent it, didn't you, no, Ben said, I didn't send you any haiku. Because if a kid like me, a fat kid like me, did something like that, the girl would probably laugh at him. I didn't laugh. I thought it was beautiful. I could never write anything beautiful. Bill, maybe, not me. Bill will write, she agreed, but he'll never write anything as nice as that. May I use your handkerchief? Oh, it's so
0: sweet. (laughs) Oh. It's beautiful. You need that, right? You yeah. need that. It's like, come on.
2: You need to have those moments of sweetness in there so you're reminded what it is you're fighting for. Yeah. You know what it what's at stake. Um yeah. and why you why you're doing all this. It's not just because they're fighting for their own self-preservation and they're fighting for the other children that it's going to attack and the other people it's going to attack but you're you're fighting for
1: something better which is a, a world without this entity not
2: a quiet life but a simple one
0: yeah yeah a quiet lens uh, there's a lovely moment where richie says when they all get out but nothing lasts forever and he held out his hands. The tiny scars in the palms were gone. Beverly put her hands out. Ben did the same. Bill added his. All were dirty but unmarked. Nothing lasts forever, Richie repeated. He looked up at Bill and Bill saw tears cut slowly through the dirt on Richie's cheeks. Except maybe for love, Ben said. And desire, Beverly said. How about friends, Bill asked and smiled. Oh. And doesn't... Doesn't, doesn't then Richie say, I
2: think I need to think about that, boy? He comes straight back with one of his voices. <laughs> oh, which is just so Richie.
0: You know, I love you guys so much. Now, could we see if they got such a thing as breakfast in this place? Good feeling, senor, Richie said. <laughs> Every now and then, I think you might turn out okay. What do you think, Big Bill? I think you ought to go F yourself, Bill said. <laughs> <laughs> and that moment then I, for just a moment where bev she saw their reflections in the glass only there were six not four because eddie was behind richie and stan was behind bill that little half smile on his face and it's an ode to love and it's an ode to friendship um you know the victory cry that they have of i believe in all those things you know, from faith in Santa Claus to the goodness of a policeman to, Bill, to Bill's parents loving him again, when they always use that as a victory cry, I believe in all of those things. Mm. They use that when they're trying to take down it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, once more,
2: where does power reside? Power resides where you imbue it. Exactly. Where you say it resides. Yeah. It's it's Eddie's, I mean, one of the best metaphors for that, I'm sure, is um, Eddie's inhaler when he squirts it on the eye and goes, that's battery acid. Yeah, yeah. Believe that it's battery
0: acid and it does the job. There's a brilliant moment as well where the glass corridor that links the kids to the adults, you know, the libraries just explodes and that umbilical cord almost is cut once it dies, that, 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 that those worlds become separate.
1: Now, mm-hmm.
0: and such a such a powerful moment because it's just is so constant throughout the novel that those two spaces, that that glass corridor, as well, and finally where you know all of Derry, where he describes in such intricate detail all of the carnage that's happening above the sewers, whilst mm-hmm. this final showdown is happening. And it was a lovely technique as well because again, this the, the impatient reader in me was like, "Oh, I just want to stay here." He's like, "No, no, no, hi, I'll cool your boots for a minute. I'm not going to lose the intensity, but let's see what's going up, going on above the surface." Mm. You know, Absolute carnage. Total carnage. And and lots of deaths happening. Some random, some, you know, just you know, that's decapitations funny. by flying by flying um manhole covers.
2: Yes. Death by toilet.
0: Death by toilet. <laughs> One of them. I mean, what a way to go. I mean. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah, uh the El- the elvis way. The elvis way. At least the manhole cover was quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think at that moment, he was just going out to see what was going on and maybe tie things down a bit. And the, vroom, vroom. Yeah. But it um, is complete carnage, isn't yeah. it? It's absolute. Now this... Yeah, he's got a whole AM. sections of dairy
2: just sort of floating away. Yeah. Literal you know, houses just being washed, washed away. Am I... Am I right in saying that that glass corridor that connects those two sections of the library connects the sort of reference and adult library with the children's library?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Yeah,
2: so I think that's a very clever and and subtle way of Stephen King, again, um, directing attention to one of the things I think, one of the fundamental things I think this novel is about is that you can't really be an adult until you're done with your childhood. And now that glass corridor has has ex, has exploded at this particular time. Now, finally, for the what is the five remaining members of the Losers Club? Their childhood is finally behind them. It's finally gone and disconnected from them, and they can move on with their mm. adult life in earnest. But the fact that this glass corridor which connects seeming adulthood with childhood is is exploded and destroyed i think i think speaks very well to that theme, and he's absolutely right it, it's, it, again it's one of those simple things that's so true in its simplicity is that and i i do believe this you you can't really be an adult in the uh, in the full sense of its meaning until you've done with your childhood, until your childhood is uh, sorted or processed or understood and um, set to one side. And it, it takes, it might take some of us longer to do that than others, is all I'm saying. Yeah, But it does need to be done, and I think it's absolutely true.
0: Obviously, I mean, we can't really talk about the final chapter or you know, the final part of it without you know looking at that scene what's your take on it
2: well yeah i mean i obviously remembered it from previous previous readings i'd forgot it, it that it had been referred to before it before it happens it sort of mm. gets gets mentioned at one point um when i think they're just going back into the tunnels again and they're starting to remember this is when they're adults. And then Beverly goes, oh yes, there was that time when I made love to all of you. That worked, uh, worked, hmm? With the what? <laughs> you did what, no, you did what? I don't, uh, let, me, let, let me put it like this before I swim myself into waters that are a little bit too too deep even for me. I don't have a problem with orgies. I do have a problem with children having sex. That's the distinction I think it's important to make. Group sex. Your boots got no problem with it. In fact, I'm not doing anything Tuesday night. Let's do it there. But children, yeah, not so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I have, I... Say, I have to say though, it's one hell of a scam. Mm. So, so for example, imagine that you and I go out to the moors. Okay, we take a nice stroll onto the onto the Yorkshire moors. La 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 la. Um, and I'm the one charged with navigation, because I'm a control freak like that, and the, and the fog comes in. It can come in pretty quickly on the moors. I've experienced it in the past. It can roll in rather fast. So, what do you do if I turn to you and I say, Matt, my friend, I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> <laughs> the bad news is that we are completely lost. I have no idea which direction is what. Up north could be up for all i know i genuinely however the good news <laughs> is i have got a way of getting my sense of
0: direction back <laughs> yeah it's a hell of a scam <laughs> i read a couple of um uh, other critics and uh, and king writers thoughts on it so grady Hendricks. Uh, and it chimes with some of what you were saying very much about the glass corridor exploding and that childhood-adult uh, boundary. Sure. He, desc- he described it as being about the fact that some doors only open one way and that while there's an exit out of childhood named sex, there's no door leading the other way that turns adults back into children. And he spoke about that moment the, the the you know the losers uh scene as in a sense it's the heart of the book uh, a thematic demonstration of the crossing from childhood to adulthood and concluded that it is a way for king to tell kids that sex even unplanned sex even sex that's kind of weird even sex where a girl loses her virginity in the sewer can be powerful and beautiful if the people having it truly respect and like each other. That's a good point. Mm. Mm. Yep. Okay. Different opinions. Uh, James Smythe from The Guardian considered the book's descriptions of childhood sexuality to be questionable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was particularly shocked by a scene of the Losers Club engaging in an orgy. So. Maybe it just depends on where your sensibilities lie. Yeah. I, I, I do take take the point
2: that regard that despite the environment and the nature of it, it's still it's still about um, love and respect and friendship.
0: It's weird. I read it, and you know, I, I actually thought it was very beautifully and tenderly written. You know, and for me, these are yes of course they're kids but they're kids on that cusp into adulthood they're they're not your typical kids anymore because of what they've seen and been through Mm. for me they're very much they're i guess i i read it through the lens of them being young young adults Mm -hmm. i think they've had to grow old incredibly quickly and and actually I i thought the passage was very beautifully written um but
2: yes it's not coarse it's not it's not crass it's it's a, You know, it's not pornographic in any way, shape or form. Um, and th- there is definitely an argument to say that these children, in inverted commas, um, having this sex, are more grown up than some of the grown-ups in the rest of the town. So yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're they not entering into it completely completely blindly and obviously none of them have done it before but yeah it's not mm. it's not some sort of strange experiment they all seem to seem to believe that it,
0: it's this is
2: this is their way
0: out. Yeah. And I also had I had this horrible feeling when I was rereading this novel that in all the passages that the, the passages that unnerved me the most were the passages with Bev and her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were really, really creepily written. And I kept thinking, oh, God, tell me there isn't going to be a moment where he takes her virginity and mm-hmm. the first time, the first experience she ever has of being a, uh, experiencing sex and, 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 you know, entering into that kind of adulthood, adverted commas, is with this predator. Mm-hmm. So, in some strange way, I remember reading it going, okay, well, the fact that she's lost her virginity and, and willingly offered that rather than, you know, with this group of people that she loves. I think it's the numbers thing that is shocking on some levels. If it was mm-hmm. just, say, if it was just her and Bill or her and Ben, I think well, would people be talking about it as, as controversially as it, you know? So, so so, maybe that, that blows things a little out of proportion because this is something that she offers and it's with, it's with those people that she loves and feels those ties to. And I just felt mm. so glad that she escaped the clutches of, you know, her father. Um, yeah. You know, and that the next time then that her and Ben will be picking up that kind of relationship is, you know, what the future holds for them. Mm. You know, her and Bill have obviously had that moment again. You know, uh, when they've been reunited as adults, mm. um, and again, that I, I, I'm really glad that that was in there. There was a moment I thought, oh, it reminded me of the mist. Yeah, that one, that one, that sex in in the supermarket, where they just—it's a physical need, it's a need for comfort, mm-hmm. and, and it's in a need to be able to feel to just you know, but not a big deal is made about it. It it's happened, and I got that here in that moment where. In in modern day, where Bill and Bev spend that night together, you know, prior just before Eddie calls him when Henry's attacking him, um, I think despite the
2: the seeming contradiction of it, um, I absolutely agree. I think it's the numbers thing that sort of brings it controversy more than the act it, it itself. Yeah. But I'd be I'd be willing to bet that if you asked Stephen King, um, given that we're now X number of years down the line, um, if you could re-edit it, would you take that scene out? I think he'd probably say no. I think he I think he'd probably still go no. I think it absolutely needs to be there. Yeah. It it uh, yeah. it, um, it serves a very important function. <clears throat> It does something. It's, it it connects them even on on an even deeper level, and it it is about friendship, and it's about um, it's about love, and it's about connecting them as people, and it's about their ability to be mature despite being children. Yeah. Um, if I'd have wanted a, if I'd have
0: wanted a, a a more base sex scene, I'd have written one. Yeah, exactly. And a less nuanced and subtle writer than King. I guarantee you would have put that glass corridor exploding scene right next to this scene.
2: Even as a passage of writing, it does stand out. Mm. You then have to sort of look at it and go, well, why is it here then? Mm. Why does it exist? Why does it seem like it's such a... Why does it seem jarring? I think it's definitely worth considering. That and that's a really good point. That it's it's more about less about the acts and more about the fact that it's a group of
1: yeah.
2: young adults. um yeah, yeah. But they are already a group, and they've already yeah. been quite intimate, mm-hmm. incredibly intimate with each other. Because the amount of trust that they have to put in one another in telling their own stories yeah. is really quite profound. Given they don't know each other that well, yeah. um, up to a point, and then they then they have to. Re- feel this really personal thing about these things about each other. I mean, Ben says it then, you know, that's why I didn't tell you about the poem. I thought you'd laugh. There's one point here I wanted to unpack a little bit, mostly because I don't fully understand it myself. But it's in the tunnels, well, actually in its lair, when they're when they're fighting it. And it realises that in order to try and defeat them again, it has to separate them. And in order to, to separate them, it has to break down the lines of communication between, between them all. To pass beyond communication was to pass beyond salvation. He understood that much from the way his parents had behaved toward him after George had died. It was the only lesson their refrigerator coldness had had to teach him. That's it's what Bill's thinking at the time. To pass beyond communication was to pass beyond salvation wow. so is that stephen king suggesting that and quite rightly i think if he is that when you stop communicating that's your that's your first steps on being lost that's your first steps mm-hmm. off the path to to pass beyond communication was to pass beyond salvation. That really, really struck me. But that's not to say I understood it straight away. That's just my, my sense of what he's, yeah. what he's drawing attention to. And mm. given the context and what's happening at the time, Bill's thinking that yeah, that's what happened to my to my parents. They stopped okay. communicating, and they were therefore lost. They stopped communicating with each other. They stopped com- com- communicating with me, and they had
0: this. Stephen King brilliantly puts it, refrigerator coldness. Great description. Um,
1: is that what you would get from
2: that? Would you take the same sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I think so very much. I also think it's maybe talking about sometimes some of those relationships where you can't save them, where it can't be repaired you know, where you pass beyond that communication, where you pass beyond being able to have any connection and sometimes then beyond salvation, beyond repair. I read that into it as well. You know, I think that childhood dream that Bill had of, if I can kill this monster, then I can make my parents love me again. Mm -hmm. I can fill that silence that exists you know i can make them communicate with me again i'm i i can be the catalyst for it and i can shift some of this guilt i feel um survivor's guilt mm-hmm. um, but obviously it d- d- doesn't happen first of all you know the, and i don't ever get the feel that that relationship gets repaired you know um <laughs> No, we don't know. It's, it's not, not. It's, it's not. But you can't right. do it on his own. No, exactly. He's got to have. It's. He's doing far too much of the heavy lifting already, as it is. Mm. Um, I, not, I, I, could, yeah, I, I think I, I might happen. be able to see fairly
2: confidently, confidently from experience, that you you can't succeed in that endeavour if the other parties aren't prepared to meet you halfway. Exactly. Um. As a as a great man once said, I I, I believe we have horses, we have water. Drinking is optional. There's only so much you can do, and this isn't meant for him. No, exactly. It should not be the other way around. In a normal in a, in, a, in, a, in a place in the
0: world that isn't dairy, it's the other way around. Yeah, and then I look at that and I think, well, salvation. You know, is that he's got those blood ties, but is that a relationship that needs that can be saved and i'm really interested in the fact that him beating the devil and him bringing someone saving someone having that salvation Mm -hmm. actually is then not the past and with his parents and and but it's with order it's with his future so -hmm. it's with his present and his future so i read that phrase in what Bill does with Audra in these final few pages of the book, you know, she is beyond communication. She's catatonic, right? Mm -hmm. She has seen the deadlights, she has seen the horror. And I'm like, well, Audra's gone. That's it. You know, absolutely catatonic. There is no coming back from there. And actually, I thought initially when she was in the web that that was it she was she was dead. She was there just to entice Bill to be able to go down there and 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 into you know its lair. But actually, when we realize she's still there, but she's beyond communication, he is able to then save her and bring her back by becoming a child again in his mm, yeah. truest truest sense and taking his finger off brick and just hi-ho, Silver. And just as that little kid says, you can't be careful on a skateboard. Oh, I mean, sweet child of mine, Si. I read that. (laughs) And if there is ever a pithy, beautiful phrase for, just loosen up a bit and (laughs) connect with that child that you are, you can't be careful on a skateboard. I, I think it's really beautiful that, but yeah, I, I'm, for me, it's about Bill going, I can't save someone and that doesn't want to be saved. I can't save a relationship that I can't do it all by myself. And if mm. I'm now going to focus completely on the future, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's lovely that he
2: uses a relic, a, a beloved relic of his childhood to do it.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um because the silver is one of the three uninvited guests and you you think they're all going to be opponents or or evil but no one of them is actually silver yeah yeah so there's a little bit of balance yeah in there. uh something to, to sort of even out um the return of henry and 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 Tom's interference, but That's Silver. Right. I mean, he needs Silver to, to do yeah. that. Again, he'd be trying to beat the devil to to save Aldra's life in the same way he felt that he needed to do that in order to um to save Eddie's.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even though Pennywise isn't physically there in, you know, you know, it isn't there in the Pennywise form chasing after them, they're outrunning that legacy. You know, Audra is 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 still trapped in that web, you know. Mm. And just the beautiful little descriptions of Bill just feeling her hands just start to slightly tighten around his waist as mm. they pick up speed. Is like, oh, did that, am I, is that right? Am I feeling that? Did it happen? It's really yeah. delicate. That's what I love is when she starts to come alive, it's really delicately written at an exact moment where he is just all about velocity and speed, <laughs> you know. But there's this real beautiful little moment that you go, they're going to be okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Bill, what's been happening? I remember getting off the plane at Banger. I can't remember a thing after that. Are you all right? Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Now. She pushed him away so she could look at him. Bill, are you still stuttering? No, Bill said and kissed her. My stutter is gone. For good. Yes, he said. I think this time it's gone for good. Did you say something about rock and roll? I don't know. Did I? I love you she said he nodded and smiled when he smiled he looked very young bald head or not i love you too he said and what else counts i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what else and what else counts what is it and the stutter the stutter that is so linked to pain for bill You know, it's this physical representation of pain. The stutter that he has when he's a kid, that we immediately, the Bill we meet when Georgie gets ripped apart by Pennywise is a stuttering Bill. That's what everyone calls him, defines him by. Mm. Apart from these kids that know him and look up to him as the leader. Then obviously it comes back, the stutter. We see it horribly just start to come back as he is taken back to Derry. Mm. and when he just goes it's gone it's gone for good no um, because it
1: it has gone for good
0: yeah Um, and yeah interesting again you know i look at it now and i think well i have read you know and and spoken to people that view that some of the so-called tropes that king gives the losers club are a little bit unfair like you know Ben with the side Ben being so big and his size, mm. and his size being viewed as something that's not a good thing. Bill having a stutter that's viewed as something he wants to get rid of. I I think the way it's written is for me not about saying that having a stutter or being overweight are signs of being weak or being bad. I, I don't read it like that. It's just something. For instance, for me, the stutter for Bill is the thing that stops him being able to really truly get his words out and thoughts out in the way he wants to. And it's almost (laughs) like, you know, disinfluence of Pennywise and it. And the minute it goes, it means that he can be free again. Mm. Um, (sighs) hmm.
2: Yeah, I see. I see what's being said about those sort of tropes. But I I think that's really just window dressing. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason that these children are um, not are, are isolated is because they're isolated. It's not because one of them's Jewish and one of them has, a, um, has to wear a, a uh, sorry, has to use a, an inhaler and the, one of them has a stutter. Um, one of them has fairly thick glasses and does, does voices. The, when you meet them, they're all isolated. They're all cut yeah. off. And then they have each other. So what? What distinguishes them is kind of irrelevant. I mean, Ben's, yeah, Ben was a, a a large child, but but so what? That doesn't really mean anything until it's given. Until that's the reason that he's bullied, um, and, and 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 the reason that that Henry picks on him. Isn't because he's he's big. It's because he won't let him copy. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's because Ben won't let him cheat. So the fact that he's he's a, he's a, he's of large size is really beside the point. Um, that's not Henry's reason for hating. Ben. It's not as if he he has a thing about yeah. big people. It's like that you wouldn't let me cheat. Now, mm. now I'm out for blood. Mm. Before that point, he's just a younger kid and Henry Bowers picks on younger kids.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, though, because in the hands of a writer that wasn't as nuanced and as celebratory of differences and as skillful as King, it could be high risk, because you could view it and go, OK, so you've taken all these tropes and you've made them the losers' club. Mm. But again, that's not why, you know... <laughs> It's not why they're picked on. That's not you know. It's because they're isolated. Mm. Exactly as you say, that is it. They are all alone because of lack of nurturing, lack of lack of that communication, or the right kind of love from mm. the families and figures around them. That's the thing that unites them.
2: Yes, one way or another, it's like um, yeah, window dressing. It's as you different say. circles of hell, isn't it? You've got too much. Too much love, or you've got too little love, yeah. or you've got indirected love or misdirected love.
1: Yeah.
2: But it's all about love at the end of the day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So you could say Eddie suffers, or Eddie has from his mother, too much, mm-hmm. too much of the wrong kind. So, so she's overbearing. With Bill, his parents become incredibly distant and um, refuse. To show him any kind of love, in Bev's case, um, her father is a- abusive, um, and it's it's born of love of a of a, of a fashion, perhaps it's more about self love, um, self regard, and not enough regard for your for your children, or being the product of abuse yourself, but. Yeah, I think it's more to do with the fact that one way or another, all these all these children are are isolated, and they manage to find the self, the resources and the uh, and the courage to bring that to an end by being a collective, by being together. I love that moment when they, as as adults, emerge from the emerge from the sewers, and there's a moment that's described when the sun comes back out and gives them their shadows back. Yeah. It's so apt, the, uh, the, that, that moment that's, that's captured by a local photographer, and it makes its way into the Derry News, I don't know, about a week or so later, and the title over the, of the article accompanying the uh, photograph just says, Survivors.
0: Yeah, yes.
2: And there's a similar sort of lighthearted moment when, they, when they're finished as, um, as children, Right at the end, although there is a again, there's a, there's an, a there's a very po- poignant moment where everybody swears that they'll they'll come back. I swear too, Stan whispers, but his voice falters and he looks down as he speaks. And that sort of because it was it was his initiative, but yeah, you know, all swearing, but stands a little bit furtive. So that little yeah. that seed, although it happens right at the end of the novel. You can see when that seed got planted. So suddenly, well, not necessarily suddenly, but even more sense is made of what Stan then does right at the beginning of the story. You go, oh, I see, you weren't a hundred percent sure about doing this in the first place, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that adds up. But it's the same sort of um lightheartedness. I think um Stephen King's writing about about Bill, specifically. I never want to play down there again, he thinks, suddenly, and is amazed to find the thought is not terrible or distressing, but tremendously liberating. He stands there for a moment longer, and then turns away from the barons and starts home, walking along the dark sidewalk with his hands in his pockets, glancing from time to time at the houses of Derry, warmly lit against the night. After a block or two, he begins to walk faster, thinking of supper. And a block or two after that, he begins to whistle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just melted away. Yeah. It's yeah. starting. I mean, that's them as, as children. So they come to the end of a, of a very important chapter, but it's just starting mm. Mm. to all melt away. And it's just, it, it, it's in that, again, it's in that section that Bill um, thinks to himself that the seven of them, the seven of them were never really together again. Together again.
0: Yeah.
2: But that's a lovely image of him sort of coming out and then putting his hands in his pockets and then walking a little bit further away from it and thinking about yeah, dinner yeah. and then walking a little bit further away from it and just, just starting to
0: whistle. Yeah. It's like yeah. that sense of relief. It's beautiful, yeah, yeah.
2: And you have that absolutely parallel with them emerging into the the sunshine. And I, I really do like those two. The same as you, those narrative... Um, Structures running alongside each other, being parallel like that, it it yeah. um it works brilliantly in the writing because everything sort of increases pace. It's like you know cutting between shots quicker at the end of a film to increase yeah, tension. You sort of sw- switch back between the fifties, the eighties, fifties, the eighties, which is probably why it's quite easy to get a bit yeah. disorientated. So it's like, Where, when are we? What's good? because the same thing is sort of the same thing is sort of happening in, a, in completely different time zones.
0: Yeah. And it's sometimes joined by just like a word, you know, or like a sentence will be half finished at the you know, one time zone and then picked up in the next. And it's such an efficient, such a skillful bit of writing um, mm. that you just doesn't waste a single beat. But yeah, just left me wanting more. I I left going, you know what? I really just want, I wish them nothing but goodness because the. the I think the word love is the word, that is used the most in this last epilogue, particularly, Mm -hmm. uh, but also once they come out of the sewers. In the the last 10 to 15 pages, the word love is used so much, where there's passages in the book where the word it is used so much as we've read out previously. Um, And it is that theme. You know, again, there has to be, you know, the redemption at the end of the Shawshank. Mm -hmm. (laughs) King takes us through this. Uh, through the horrors through the terror this is opening line right right from the beginning the terror which would not end for another 28 years if it ever did end it opens with the terror and we experience it and we live it and we live through these amazing kids and then these adults and then at the end there is that redemption not for all of them but
2: no, there has to be some sacrifices. I there think
0: has, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, um, it's just not a thrilling story otherwise. Yeah. And I wonder. I'm really intrigued to know. You know, Ben and Bev. We know that they're together, but if they are forgetting too, you know, if 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 their memories, their the threads that hold them are starting to dissolve a little bit. Their threads yeah. of what they've experienced. How will that impact on them? Um, Bill and Audra, again, that's probably for the best. <laughs> Audra doesn't yeah. remember what's happened. Um, and I did think, you know, oh, will, will they go on? Will there be children in the future for any of them? You mm-hmm. know, So much of we know the barons, baron, none of them have kids, you know, because they almost they couldn't because of, I believe, the hold and the radiation and the power that it had over them. And just got a real sense of sunlight. As you said, when they climb out and they get their shadows back, mm. and, and those are the characters that finish this novel. Um, I, I would be the greedy part of me would be fascinated to have a little revival, maybe just a short story of, mm-hmm. an, old, of an old Bill Dembra, you know, reflecting back. Yeah, you know, I just would he, would he be able to though? I mean, it's to say would he would he be <laughs> able to remember anything? Yeah, maybe not or, or in fact scrub that. No, yeah, not reflecting back. Just I'd love to check in with him. I'd love mm-hmm. to drop in. How is he? How's Audrey, you know? Because uh, King writes children and especially elderly people, I think so powerfully, so so beautifully. I'd love to just have a short story with Bill Dembra, you know. Just where he's at, how's he doing? And is there still an echo that remains?
2: I think it's a great speculation, actually. And I don't necessarily think there's an answer either way. I think there are clues, maybe, in this, in the, in this epilogue, this last, this last little bit. Disquiet and desire. All the difference between world and want. The difference between being an adult who counted the cost, and a child who just gone on with it and went, for instance. Yeah, and in the very, very last section of the uh, of the entire novel, Bill's thinking to himself, oh, I'll, "I'll write about this one." <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's a it's a dawn thought, uh, an yeah. after thought. Yeah. It's one of those sort of speculations, one of those, those seeds that never quite gets to to fruition. As it, the last last sentence, the last sentence in the novel, or so Bill Denver sometimes oh, on yeah. those early mornings after dreaming, when he almost remembers his childhood and the friends with whom he shared it.
0: And it's that one word, right? It's that one word almost
2: yeah for me he is was the real, is childhood oh,
0: when he remembers his childhood and the friends you, whom he shared it with, you go, oh, okay, but when he almost i think it is the novel that is you know regularly in stephen King poll's mm. it, it's it's it takes the top spot, and um having reread it and reread it in a detailed way and being able to do this obviously in this format and with you and discuss it at such length. It really is an absolutely astonishing novel. A celebration of of childhood, a celebration of resilience, uh, and a real battle cry. I think to rage against the dying of the light.
2: Mm. And also, but at the same time, a a reminder to to grown ups that there was. Still, a really important part of your life that, one way or another, to one extent or another, you have to process before you can really be an adult. Mm. You know, as you say, you've got all of these residents of Derry who who t- who look the other way, bury their head in the sand, or just ignore the problem completely, mm. which is kind of a childish thing to do. Mm. So the adults haven't really grown up because the adult thing to do is to take responsibility. That's one of the things I think we talked about before about being the difference between childhood and adult adulthood. is in childhood you you have so very few responsibilities, mm. but you you take them on, you acquire them, and you accept them as as an adult. Mm. But a lot of this of the uh, dairy residents' behaviour is not very mature. No. <laughs> It's very selfish, very, yeah. you know, very um yeah, very selfish, very self-absorbed. Um and I for me, yes, it's um that's one of the most
1: mm.
2: powerful themes of this of this novel is that you and and things Stephen King would still speak to this and say, you know, you cannot be a child until you've dealt with you cannot be an adult yeah. until you've dealt with your childhood
0: properly, yeah. fully. Yeah, agreed. And he could almost, if he hadn't called it it, it could almost, that, that word you highlighted uh, and the newspaper article, survivors. Mm. You could call this book survivors because, yes, it's about it. But on the flip side, it, it really is about the losers and survivors. Mm. Um, mm. That's almost a more, you know, speaks more of, for me of what I find within the pages of this book. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it, it speaks to
2: a, a really important philosophical point is that <laughs> a, large, a large portion of um, what makes success is your ability to persevere, mm-hmm. is your ability to just keep going regardless of the... Or taking, you know, taking the circumstances into account, but not allowing them to uh, ma- to make you give up. Yeah, just to make some progress and to therefore survive. Mm-hmm. And if you can, su- you can survive whatever is um, whatever is challenging you, whatever obstacles are in your way. That path will lead to success. It might not happen overnight, which is why impatience can be such a um detrimental thing to possess but if you just keep going you'll get there it might take years it might take 27 odd years but you'll you will be successful you will overcome in the end
0: King Size was written and presented by Matt Robinson and Simon Bolkin. Edited and produced by Matt Robinson. Music, "Storm Coming" by Last Picture Show, available on Spotify. Find us
1: on Instagram at kingsizepodcast. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and subscribe to the show.